I recently sat down to speak with Tina Vasquez, a veteran immigration reporter and a reproductive rights reporter, about the importance of media coverage of the immigration debate um, and also the importance of having Latinx voices within that. Um, you know, I think that, again, as with issues involving uh, black Americans and trans people and other people that have been largely marginalized in our industry over the years, you know, the last few years there's been an increase in the number of Latinx uh, reporters and editors in the industry, which has been good, but um, as the industry has seen its contraction, a lot of them have begun to lose their jobs, uh, including Tina, who last summer got laid off. She's recently uh, rejoined the ranks of reporterdom. Congratulations to you, Tina, uh, working now with our prisons as a reproductive rights uh, uh, reporter. But I think that, that our conversation is really important, and it helps sort of illuminate some of the issues that uh, the Latino community faces um, and the need for a robust uh, uh, reporter and journalism community to, to reflect them and to report on what uh, is going on with them. I'm John Stanton, and this is The 30, the end of the news. Tina, thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Maybe you could do uh, do me a little favor and just sort of like give me a, um, a basic rundown on sort of how you became a journalist and, and sort of your, your history in the business. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember wanting to be anything other than a journalist, um, but I didn't have like a lot of models for what that could look like. Uh, in my life or even I didn't know where to look and so I read a lot a lot of Hunter S. Thompson and I was like oh I want to be like Hunter S. Thompson which is very troubling <laughs> um, and then started writing about punk rock as a kid like for my middle school newspaper so that was like my entry point I was like my middle school newspaper editor um, and then it, it just kind of went from there. It was all that I ever wanted to be, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, so I went to community college and I took every journalism course there was. I became like editor in chief of the community college newspaper. And then I dropped out of community college. So I have like no formal training. I have no degree. I just kind of started freelancing because I needed to make money. Um, so I started working for like community newspapers, pitching. So I really came up kind of in that way through community newspapers and through feminist media that were just willing to kind of take a chance on me. Um, and then I got hired by Rewire News, like when I turned 30 and that was my first real journalism job. So I did that for four years until very recently. You know, it's funny, but you, you said that like you didn't have, you didn't know what it looked like. I mean, is that, um, uh, like a function of the fact that, the, that there weren't people that like looked like you in the media or, or I mean, so in my family, everyone, I mean, I didn't grow up, like, I think working class is a really nice way to say it. I grew up poor, like poor as shit. Um, like I grew up in a mixed status family and both of my parents, my dad was a janitor, my mom was a housekeeper. There weren't people in my family who did this kind of work. And when I looked for people, like as I got older who did this kind of work, they certainly didn't look like me. And like my journalism teachers were older white guys. Um, so it wasn't until I started working in like so my like real model was out of Bogato who's like at reveal that was the first time that I saw a journalist that like resonated with me whose work resonated with me who who was doing the kind of work that I wanted to do 
Um, and Auda actually told me to apply at Rewire and wrote like a recommendation letter for me. Um, so like, if not for that, I don't, I don't know if I would be here, but that was the first time that I know like, oh shit, like I could do this work. And there's people that are doing this work who look like me and who come from places like I come from. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that, you know, I, I don't have a college degree either. I, I went to college for a while and then sort of stopped, but you know, in my family, like I, my, my dad had been a reporter, my grandfather was a reporter, but when they started, it was very much like a, like a working class kind of a job, right? I mean, my grandfather worked in a steel mill. He didn't finish high school and then went on to become an editor, you know, and, um, that's amazing. Yeah. Right. And for, and for, you know, for that sort of era and that generation, there was that, that, um, reality, but then, I don't know, sometime in the seventies or eighties, I guess, like that really flipped. And now you look around and it is not only just white guys, but it's like white guys with advanced degrees from Princeton and Harvard and Yale and places like that. I mean, I, I see the benefit of going to journalism school, but I, I, even if I could have, I don't know if I would have, you know, and I don't think I would be the journalist I am today if that was the route that I took. I basically just wanted to report on things that I was seeing in my community. And I think really good reporting comes from that place because you know things that other people don't because they don't live where you live. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, that's been one of the things for me, one of the most frustrating parts of the, the recent layoffs that we've been having in the industry is that it's really only been the last maybe three, four, five years that newsrooms have taken the idea of diverse, diversifying their workforce seriously. Mm-hmm. And we've seen an enormous change in the way that the media acts and, and covers things in a, in a positive way. Right. And then, you know, the, the people that, that end up getting kicked off uh, when the layoffs happen are, are always, you know, the black and brown people and the women and, and other and other groups that have been marginalized in the industry for so, so long. Yeah, that that was I, I didn't expect to take my layoff as hard as I did. Like I got kind of a heads up that it was probably coming. And so I like scrambled. Um, but I just I didn't expect like I did not realize it was my dream job until it was like over. Um, but it was all I ever wanted to do. Like I got to write, I worked with amazing women. My, my editor, my boss was a black woman who just like got it. I didn't have to explain shit to her. It was the first time that I wanted to write about immigration and reproductive justice and those two things being linked together. And I just didn't have to, like, it was all I ever wanted to do. And it was rough. And I, I feel like a lot of the folks that I know who've been laid off most of whom are women, or maybe that's just who I'm in touch with. But it was a very similar thing for them, you know, like, and they, we gave it our all, like we, we really did. And it just, that doesn't mean that there's funding for it, though. No, that's right. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, I mean, it's a weird thing being a journalist, particularly writing about, about the kind of things that, that, that you write about, because it is like you say, you know, you're writing about your community and, and, and being a journalist isn't just a nine to five job when you're doing that, right? I mean, like, I don't know, for me, at least, like, I very much identify as a reporter, right? It's been a huge part of my personal identity, basically, for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel it's been really weird to shift into something that's related, but very different. Like, journalism isn't my daily job, and that transition has been harder than I thought I would be. And now I find myself, like, forcing journalism into the work that I'm doing now, or, like, really busting my ass in my off hours to to do journalism, because it's it's what I do. It's, it's who I am. So it, it does feel, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it's a good time to kind of step away because it's horrible. It's a, it's a really hard job. And it, my beat in particular, immigration was just God awful every day. But um, like, it's, 
it's who I am. It's what I do. I, I, I don't know how to do anything else, essentially, is what I've learned over the past couple of weeks. How long were you there for before the layoff? I was on, I, almost four years. Four years? Yeah. And so, you know, I've been writing articles since I was a kid. So it's been weird. When, so when the layoffs happened, I mean, it sounds like you to a certain degree sort of saw it coming. I mean, well, we were having like pretty severe funding issues. So like there was a big step down. There was one round of layoffs. Um, we were hoping to make up the funding. So it was clear that things were on the decline, but I guess we were all hopeful that things would turn around. Um, and it just, it just didn't. And so uh, now there are, there's no one there now with the title of reporter. Is it all freelance? It's freelance, and then they have like um, like a legal team, so they do like reporting and analysis, but they don't have the journalist title. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I mean, maybe if, we, if you could talk a little bit more about um, what you were mentioning earlier about the importance of of um, journalists coming from a community, because I think that's a really, really big, important thing. And when we talk about like the the collapse of the industry and we talk about communities, I think in most people's minds, they're thinking a physical community, right? Like the city of New Orleans losing times Picayune or whatever. But, but, you know, the immigrant community is also its own community that has been traditionally very much um, just non-existent in, in the business. So. So I'm, my dad was an undocumented immigrant when I was a kid. My dad's a Mexican immigrant. Um, and then he was naturalized through marriage because of my mom, but by virtue of that, and I also had family that came over and lived with us for a bit um, when I was a kid who came from Mexico. So some of those folks are still undocumented or have different immigration statuses. So that was just kind of the reality of the of my family growing up. And then, I, you know, by extension of that, and because I grew up in the Los Angeles area, it turned out that a lot of friends were undocumented. Um, and so as I was like realizing I wanted to be a journalist in my early 20s, it was sort of coalescing around this undocumented movement that was happening in the U.S. Um, with kids fighting for the DREAM Act or pushing for DACA, stuff like that. And so it just so happened that a lot of my friends were doing that work. Um, and I realized that the reporting I saw on immigration did not reflect at all what I was seeing on the ground because it was like queer and trans folks on the front lines fighting for that stuff that wasn't being reported or they were being reported as illegals. Um, you know, doing sit-ins, stuff like that. And um, it just, it didn't, nothing about it felt right to me, like the framing, who was covering it, how it was being covered. Um, So I guess a lot of my early reporting, I wanted to disrupt that. And I was also finding it very troubling that I was working like in feminist media, but nobody was writing about immigration. Like I remember pitching immigration pieces and them being like, how is this a feminist issue? And it would be like queer women doing sit-ins or whatever. Um, So that's changed markedly. But yeah, I mean, I'm not undocumented. I never have been, but I certainly saw that as like the community of folks or, or folks that I was in community with that I wanted to report on because I knew that they were doing important work. Yeah, I, the first time I, I, um, I ever went to the border was in 2013. It was the first sort of border story that I wrote. And up until then, I was writing about immigration pretty much like everybody else was, which was about what was going on in Congress or the administration, right? And, and it's, you know, it struck me that there was like people, there were people that were, were doing that work, but a lot of that was in the Spanish language media. Yeah. Um, and there were a few, like a handful of other reporters that were looking at stuff like this. But, you know, in the last, that's what, six years now? 
it's it's been amazing to see that that's it's becoming the norm now to write about the people in these communities and to write about people that are are going through it and about their lives and to take much more uh, nuanced looks as opposed to the standard um, living in the shadows. Dun, 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, that was just never my, th you know, there are ways in which I, I wish that I had stronger skills as a journalist. Like, I, I don't have the patience to track everything that Trump says, or like to track every single thing that changes every day in immigration, um, or like even like deep data dives. Like, I'm just not, I'm just not good at that. You know, like, I, I feel like I'm good at talking to people and developing connections with them and sort of getting to the heart of things that way. I wish I was better in other ways, but, um, I mean, I, for me, the story is always the person. And then I go from there and I, you know, build the narrative with whatever other else is, whatever else is going on. Um, I just, I don't know how to start another way, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Works pretty good as far as I'm concerned. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm curious in your earlier, in before you, before you went to rewire, um, were you like, were you applying for jobs? Were you trying to, to get into like, you know, mainstream journalism into, you know, local newspapers or running into problems there or? Um, so local newspapers were actually good. I could pit, like I started with my hometown newspaper just covering, like there was an officer involved shooting in my hometown, um, writing like op-eds, right? Like taking like national stories and then like narrowing them down to my community in particular where I grew up in Downey, California. Um, so there was a lot of that and I didn't have a problem with that. I didn't have a problem like breaking into smaller outlets, especially feminist outlets. But I mean, I didn't even try sometimes for bigger stuff and I still don't like that's still a way in which I, um, I mean, there are ways in which I aspire to have certain bylines or to work with certain people, but it just never pans out. Like after my layoff, I applied for a lot of jobs and didn't get a single callback. And it could be for a lot of reasons. Like I'm a loud mouth on the internet, which I'm sure has a big part of it. But I mean, I'm sure it's also, it's just that people don't see, I mean, I assume that they think of me as like a doing advocacy journalism. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, that's, that's gotta be, I mean, I know it's disheartening. I was in the exact same place, you know, like you, you lose your job and you're trying to find your footing and, and, um, yeah, people are, are sometimes nice about it, but in the end, they don't really have anything for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it was really interesting. I felt like this is very black and white in how I'm going to talk about this, but I, I noticed there was like a very gendered breakdown after my layoff where men would privately message me and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Don't leave the field. Um, but then women would be like, here's work, like pitch me, like this is what we need. Um only a few men reached out to me afterwards and I got like no, no job offers. Like I even applied for jobs that I didn't get, but then editors would be like, do you want to freelance for us? Um, so it was like, it was very weird to navigate. What, what made you decide to go to where you are now? So I've, I had a few people like in my orbit who worked at political research associates and was really interested in the work that they do. Um, like I was familiar with, um, they have a researcher there named Chloe Cooper, who I actually interviewed before as a journalist who tracks anti-immigrant sheriffs. Um, and so, I mean, it was kind of natural given that so much of my work at Rewire was about reproductive injustices. So I basically had their gender, repro and sexuality team. So we have folks who do opposition research into like anti-LGBTQ groups and leaders 
um, anti-choice groups, that kind of thing. So it felt like a natural fit, but it is, it is very different than journalism. Is it? Yeah. Do you, do you miss being able to do journalism full time? Yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't like, thankfully I get to write a lot and I, the learning curve is pretty steep. I'm not used to talking about things in the context that PRA works in, which is, you know, tracking right-wing groups and, and using a very particular framework for, for writing about those things. So that's been good for me to learn. Um, I'm, I'm, I can see how this applies to journalism and how I was just really lacking in a lot of context as a writer. Um, like I did my first sort of opposition research thing. I went to the Values Voters Summit. Um, and so I've been writing about abortion for years and I hadn't like... I, until I went there, I had no real understanding of how we got here, like how we came to lose so badly on abortion until I was in that room and I saw how rabid they are, like how rabidly anti-choice and how it is all that they have focused on for decades. Like that was really informative. Hmm. Yeah, those, those things are kind of fascinating to go to those meetings. And I, I mean, yeah, I can imagine someone that, that was like writing about it, but had never, yeah. I've never been to one of those things. I mean, I don't know. The first time I went to one, I was terrified. I was like, what is going on? These people? It's so scary. I felt I was on the, like, I did not feel well when I was there. Well, for like, I felt like I was going to be found out. Like, what are you doing here? That actually never happened. Everyone was really friendly, which was more alarming somehow. Um, but it made me think of journalism differently. Like, it made me think of, like, this is another way to build context and framing around a piece. Like you don't really know what you're writing about until you know exactly what it is that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, could you talk a little bit about, um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on what these layoffs mean for the voices we have in the media right now. I mean, so I know that a lot of the women that I worked with at Rewire are moving away from journalism or just freelancing because Journalism just doesn't seem sustainable. And these are women that were doing really, really powerful, amazing groundbreaking work, especially around like repro and abortion, like just desperately needed reporting, especially in this moment. So the idea that like it was just so strange to us that what we focused on is exactly the kind of media that people need or the kind of context that they need to understand this moment. And there's just no home for it. Um and you're, I feel like you're seeing that with a lot of reporters who are doing really critical reporting at a time where it's desperately needed and it just, they get laid off and then where do you go? You know, you can't survive on freelancing. So a lot of folks are just leaving journalism and it feels like being pushed out. You know, it, it felt very much like that to me. Like I wasn't supposed to be in this field in the first place. There aren't a lot of people who do this kind of work or who look like me or come from my background. And now there's literally no home for the work that I do. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And I can't imagine I'm the only person who feels like that. Do you think, I, I wish you here, was Rewire, um, how, were they funded with, with ads at all? Or were they just a strictly nonprofit thing or, mm -hmm. um, nonprofit. or whatever? Nonprofit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you, did you pay attention to the money side of things when you were there or no? No. So that wasn't anything that we were privy to until we started to have problems. Those weren't, it's very odd to be at a different nonprofit where we were like actively involved in those conversations and we see the budget and we meet the board. That was not the environment that I came from at all. We were left in the dark a lot. I don't know. Transparency was like a real problem. So I think in particular, the first round of layoffs that we had were really hard and seemed really out of the blue. And as things worsened, so did 
morale and we kind of started to assume the worst, but we didn't know that everyone would get laid off. Like that was just, we did not anticipate that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never, in the 20 years that I was a reporter, I never once paid attention to anything that was going on with the money anywhere. And, um, I think it's like the, the harshest lesson of this whole thing for me was like, I should have been paying attention to this a long time before. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if we asked questions, it wouldn't have, I feel like there were things that we were left in the dark about purposefully. I also feel like transparency was just kind of a thing, um, like a problem, but I guess it also, yeah, it didn't occur to me to ask a lot of questions or to like, you know, is my job tied to funding or, or, or am I supposed to be, delivering something that you've promised to funders that I have no understanding of, you know, like those were just not, I just wanted to fucking write and do my job, you know, and I didn't want to worry about money and that's like a me problem. But yeah, I've, I've learned a lesson in that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, I mean, frankly, the, 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 the industry has, has encouraged us to be that way. Right. I mean, partly because of the, you know, the separation of church and state, a sort of idea, you know, which I think has been good for us as an industry because it keeps us from writing stories maybe that advertisers or funders want us to write, which is good. But at the same time, that has essentially put us in a, in a box and management in a lot of ways really like, likes that, encourages that. They don't want us asking questions or pestering them or saying, well, how about we don't spend money on, you know, <laughs> you know, the $50,000 with a kind bars you buy for each other every <laughs> week or whatever, you know, like yeah. some weird thing like that. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we as, as workers are going to have to really um, come to terms with, I think going forward as an industry. Yeah. I mean, unionizing was a very eye opening experience. To be honest, I really pulled back. I wasn't as involved as I should have been for a large part of the process. It wasn't until the very end that I became more involved in sort of our bargaining process. But what you learn during that process, and like I can't express enough how strongly I recommend that newsrooms or that reporters unionize and that they start to see themselves as workers. Um, that was really fundamental. And I, our, the first group of folks that we laid off received no warning. They were like, hey, can you get on a call today? And then they didn't have a job. Because of our union, we got many weeks notice. We got severance. We got a lot of things. And that wouldn't have happened unless we unionized. Jeez, that's horrible. Can you get on a call real quick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was really rough. And one of the women, Sophia Resnick, um, <laughs> uh, like, you know, after a few folks got laid off and shared that information, she knew she was getting laid off that day. And she went and she mailed our, our cards so that we could unionize on the day that she got laid off. So she's a superstar. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I, you know, I, I went to the speech that um, Mark Zuckerberg did at Georgetown the other day. And, um, you know, it was just kind of amazing watching him get up there and talk about, you know, Oh yeah. I, you know, I believe in, free expression and all this and but you know i'm not going to do things that are going to protect journalists that are going to protect your work i'm going to just make a ton of money off of it and like that's how that's going to work out it's kind of like the bottom line you know and it, it's and it's 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 amazing like how how much like they want us to be writing stuff right they want you to write the stories that you're writing so that they go into facebook and more people engage and they get mad money from advertising and then you get nothing at all out of it mm-hmm it's, yeah, I, I remember we took a very big hit, but I, I can't even articulate what it, like, I don't, 
I don't know how any of this shit works, but like when Facebook changed its algorithm or something, like our site took a huge hit. Like our traffic went down so, so much. And I don't, I feel like social media is a game that you have to play if you're a journalist. I certainly see Twitter that way. I, I barely use Facebook anymore because I don't know what the hell's going on with it. I, I just don't feel tapped in the way that I once did. I feel like, I don't know, Twitter allows me to interact with people in a way that feels normal and like good and not like arguing in like comment section. If I don't, if you say some backwards thing to me, I could just block you. Um, I'm not going to get into like arguments in the comments with your uncle Bob, who's a racist. Like I just don't see the use in Facebook, but I understand that people rely on it to push their work out. So you're kind of stuck having to navigate all of this. Yeah. But then they changed, like they did that to us with, um, with video, you know, Buzzfeed pivoted to video like everybody else. And, um, you know, they made all these promises and they showed us all these numbers that turned out to be fake. And then, you know, (laughs) you know, and it's like, then they pull the rug out from underneath you and they're like, Oh, psych. And (laughs) you know, thousands of people lose their job. Well, oopsie. (laughs) It's so horrible. I don't know what to tell. I work with like, I, I mentor a few journalists as part of this, uh, this thing called the freedom ways fellowship program through this organization based in the South called press on. And I go back and forth between being like, we really need your voice and don't do this. Like, don't do this full time. Like, do not enter journalism. It's horrible. (sighs) I don't know. I go back and forth depending on the day, I think. Well, that's, I mean, you know, it's funny that I I ask everybody who comes on the show, um, you know, what is your, what is your advice for, for a young person who's in college or in high school or whatever, who wants to come and do this job? I mean, I feel like you, if you're not, a journalist because you feel like you've really been called to do this work then don't waste your time like you're you're not going to be of service to people which you know and that's another thing I don't know if people see their job as, as a journalist to be of service but I certainly do so if you are not all the way in and ready just deal with a ton of horrible bullshit every day like if that's not for you and you don't want to be paid poorly then don't do it. But if you can do all of that and you, and it means something to you to do this work, then, I mean, I find it really fulfilling if, but it's also horrible. It just is. There's a lot about it that's horrible and it's getting worse because where are you going to work? I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, there's like every day there's more layoffs and, and, you know, or mergers or whatever. And it just seems like, and, you know, no matter sort of what kind of an outlet you're working at, whether it's, um, like a nonprofit group or, or like a advertising or subscription based or, you know, you're, you're a feminist publication or you're, you know, trying to be straight down the middle Gannett or whatever, mm-hmm. the layoffs everywhere affect everybody and they have a huge impact across the entire industry. Yeah. Yep. I just don't, you know, I've thought about, I did think about just kind of making go of freelancing and I know that other women who are laid off with me are doing that. Um, but I'm like older now and like I worry about healthcare. You know, if I were like 22, fine. But I'm 34 and I have like family members to take care of and my dad to worry about and think about like I just don't know if it's an option so the so the only thing really to do is to kind of leave journalism and just freelance when I can. Um I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work out for people, but it's it's a very scary time, I would say. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to uh, circle back to real quick is um, 
I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to get your thoughts on this idea that I've had for a while, which is that the, the change in how people have been writing about immigration mm-hmm. over the last few years and having more people that are either immigrants themselves or a family of immigrants um, writing about it has had a direct impact on how the conversation around immigration is going. And that like, I don't, I, I don't think that if Trump had been, if, you know, if Bush or Obama had done what he is doing, you know, in 2008 or 2009, we would have seen the kind of, um, I don't know, outrage, I guess, from the public. So yeah. I'm curious to know what you think about that. Um, I mean, I think coming from, and I, you know, I don't want to say that if you aren't, if you don't come from a family or community that's personally impacted by this stuff that you can't do this work, right? But I, I, I feel like the reporting that I really respect, there's a lot of nuance that I think that you can only get if you deeply understand these things and you see how it's playing out on the ground because you live it or because your family lives it. I mean, that's something that I've said a lot is that as I was writing about things like the public charge, that felt really personal to me because I knew that it impacted people in my family. Um, So it's like devastating broadly, but I'm also thinking about like, how is this going to impact my cousin or, you know, her kids or. So I, I think, I mean, I think that leads to really good reporting, but it also makes the reporting harder Um, And I can't think of that many people that were writing, the folks that I really respected reporting immigration under the Obama administration in particular, that was really informative and helping me to understand that it was a god-awful administration for immigrants were folks that were immigrants themselves, or they came from families that were mixed status. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I know Auda's reporting was really fundamental in my understanding what was going on in the Obama administration and, and how what we're seeing now is just kind of a building of previous administrations too. Um, I just think that context is so important. I'm not saying that other reporters don't provide it, but I know that the reporting that's been really instructed to me has come from people who are impacted by these things. Mm-hmm. And we're in a, do you think we're, we're in a dangerous point now where we could start losing those voices? I mean, we are losing those voices, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's horrible and sad and I don't know. I don't blame people for leaving journalism because it's not sustainable for a lot of, a lot of people, but I do really worry about the people who are leaving and the people that I know who are leaving are people of color and women or people who are a lot of different things that need to stay in journalism, but now can't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Great. I thank you very, very much for for coming on. And yeah, yeah, again, it sucks. I'm really sorry you got laid off. It sucks. (laughs) I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'm going to keep writing.